0: Welcome to the Truth in My Days podcast, where we defend the Word of God against the challenges of men.
1: Hello, all. Today, Sonia is interviewing John about the apparent contradiction in the Bible regarding the year of Jesus' birth. Matthew tells us Jesus was born during the reign of Herod the Great, who, we are told, died in 4 BC, while Luke tells us Jesus was born during a census conducted when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And we are told that this man did not govern until 86. Can these assertions be reconciled? It will take several episodes to cover this topic. So if any episode ends with the contradiction still being unresolved, never fear. Tune in to the subsequent episode to find out this challenge addressed in full. If you miss any episodes, you can find them in our podcast. See truthinmydays.com for the location. We hope you enjoy the series.
2: How do our liberal scholars deal with this?
3: Well, as we've seen, that date of 40 BC for the start of Herod's reign is, is not possible. The date isn't really coming from Josephus, but instead of doing the sort of analysis we're doing, they just keep stating 40 BC so that they can come up with a date of 4 BC for Herod's death. But If we look back at this statement, remember where it says that Herod obtained the kingship for himself when he had Antigonus killed, and this was supposedly on the 37, in the year 37 BC, the 185th Olympiad, which we showed is not really viable. If we continue that quote, we read this, that this happened as if a periodical revolution of calamities had returned since that which befell the Jews under Pompey. For the Jews were taken by him on the same day, and this was after 27 years' time. So Josephus here gives us another time indicator that this happened 27 years after Pompey captured Jerusalem, but that happened in the year 63 B.C., So this takes us now to 36 B.C., not 37 B.C. So once again, it's three years after 39 B.C., not 40 B.C. And then there's more. We have to ask the question of how did Josephus count regnal years?
2: What's a regnal year?
3: This has to do with how the ancients counted a period of a man's reign. They had two different ways to do it, uh, what's called inclusive and what's called factual. An inclusive would include the partial year of ascension as a full year. So in other words, if a king took the throne with only one month left in that calendar year, it would still be counted as a full year for his reign. Uh, The factual method actually counted only full years.
2: Do account for partial years, like having fractions or anything like
3: that? Generally, no. We do that today, of course. The question is, how did Josephus do it? Because this becomes crucial to see how many years we can attribute to Herod. Now, we read Steinman from, from Abraham to Paul, he tells us every other reign in this period including those of the Jewish high priests are reckoned non-inclusively by Josephus. So in other words, where it's factually. So that means that we should expect he did the same thing for Herod, which means that the partial 39 BC would not have been counted. When Josephus counts the years for Herod to be in power, it would have started from 38 BC. He was in power for 37 years, and that takes you to 1 B.C., not 4 B.C.
2: Okay, but what about the eclipse?
3: Well, that's that's a, another interesting issue. I'll get to it in a moment. But there's another problem that you might remember.
2: Okay, what about the fact that his sons dated their reign from 4 or 3 B.C.?
3: Yes, this would be a problem. As we've added up the data in Josephus, we actually reach a death date of Herod of 1 BC, and yet supposedly his sons dated their reign from 4 or 3 BC. So why did Herod not die then? Well, we read in Josephus' Antiquities, this is section 18.4.6, about this time it was Philip, Herod's brother, departed his life in the 20th year of the reign of Tiberius, after he had been tetrarch of Trachonitis and Galilonitis, and of the nation of the Bataneans, also 37 years.
2: Uh, What's the significance of that?
3: The significance is this fellow is actually executed by Herod. He was executed by Herod. And again, we read in Josephus describing this. Herod is obviously still alive at this point. He says, upon Herod saying this, he was interrupted by the confusion he was in, but ordered Nicolaus, one of his friends, to produce the evidence against Antipater. But in the meantime, Antipater, this is one of Herod's sons, lifted up his head, for he lay on the ground before his father's feet and cried out aloud, Thou, O Father, hast made my apology for me, for how can I be a parasite whom thou thyself confessest to have always had for thy guardian? And indeed, what was there that could possibly provoke me against thee? Could the hope of being king do it? I was a king already. you understand the significance so, so, of that?
2: So he was king even though Herod was alive.
3: Yes, uh, and that's not unusual for kings to name their sons as co-regents or kings even before they died. That was not at all a rare practice in the ancient world. So if Antipater was already a king while Herod was still alive, it means any of his sons, including Philip, could also have been a king before he died. So if Herod issued coins in 4 BC or 3 BC that identified himself as king, that in and of itself does not mean that Herod was dead by that point. So that one stumbling block for our date of Herod's death disappears.
2: Okay, what what was the eclipse, though?
3: What about the eclipse? Okay, that's a good question. Was there an eclipse in 4 BC? To put Herod's death in 4 BC, they need an eclipse. Now remember, the data from Josephus, they misinterpreted to give you 3 BC where there was no eclipse, so they've backdated to 4 BC because there was a lunar eclipse on March 13th of that year. And this is taken to be the one to which Josephus was referring. You remember we read out Josephus in Antiquities. We read that Herod deprived this Matthias of the high priesthood and burnt the other Matthias who had raised the sedition with his companions alive, and that very night there was an eclipse of the moon. And then he goes on to tell us the events between the eclipse and the death of Herod, and then between his death and Passover. So there was this lunar eclipse, March 13th, 4 BC, and that's taken to be the one mentioned by Josephus. The question is, is it? Is it? According to the standard explanation, Herod was proclaimed king in 40 BC. Herod ruled 37 years. As we said, that takes you to 3 B.C., not 4 B.C. There was no eclipse in 3 B.C., so Herod's death has to be backdated to 4 B.C. So the standard explanation that you see that Herod died in 4 B.C. does not accord with the data given to us in Josephus. There seems to be a contradiction if indeed that was the eclipse. To which Josephus referred to.
2: Well, could you really have had more than one lunar eclipse in such close succession?
3: Well, you could and you did actually, and and that's that's the interesting thing. There was a lunar eclipse, this was on March 13th, 4 BC. There were no lunar eclipses in 3 BC, as we've said, or 2 BC. But there were two lunar eclipses in 1 BC, which is the very year on which Josephus' data Converges. Now, the March 13th, 4 BC lunar eclipse, we have a problem here. It began after midnight local time. The umbral period where you could actually start noticing the shadow on the moon didn't begin until 1:38 a.m. And its maximum covered only 36% of the moon. With 36% covered, only 30%. 6%, there would have been no reddening of the moon. The moon would have seemed bright with only a small smudge at the corner. And it concluded at 5 in the morning. So even if anyone were awake to see it, they would hardly have noticed. Certainly would not have been significant or remembered. And if that's the case, it becomes very questionable to assume that's the one to which Josephus was referring. If we look at the two in 1 BC, however, it's a different story. One happened on January 10th of that year. It lasted from about 11.28 at night to 3.03 in the morning. It was a full eclipse. It was centered over 15 degrees east longitude, which meant it was perfect for viewing from Jerusalem. It was visible for almost an hour around midnight. Its maximum totality, when it's fully eclipsed, was one fifteen a.m. So that one certainly would have been noticed and remembered. There was another one much later in the year, December 29th. This umbral contact was from 3.28 in the afternoon. And at that point, the moon wouldn't really have been visible in the sky yet. And this was 53% eclipsed. So there were two, two lunar eclipses near 1 B.C., both of which were a better candidate to be noticed than the one in 4 BC, which almost certainly would not have been noticed. The January 10th one seems to be the better case, though. Much more visible, much more noticeable.
2: If that's the case, why does it, why would anyone assume it was the insignificant one if there are those two perfectly good ones in 1 BC?
3: Well, once they have Miss Red Josephus to calculate that Herod died in 3 BC, they're looking for the closest eclipse and the closest they find is 4 BC. Okay. I, I don't and some of them may not. These, these are not astronomers. These are Bible scholars. I don't know if they bothered even to look at the details of the eclipse. They might just have heard there's one in 4 BC and not examine the facts to see whether it even would have been noticed by the people or not. But the fact as we've seen them is no, they would not have been noticed.
2: Although I guess someone must have noticed the 4BC one for it to have been recorded like that.
0: Thank you, everyone, for listening today. Unfortunately, we have run out of time, but please join us for the next part tomorrow. Same time and same place. Thank you for listening to the Truth In My Days podcast with John Torse. We would love to hear from you.